and welcome to a February episode of Backing Paper. Yet yeah, we're back once again to delve into the wonderful listener mail we've had. Hopefully, this won't be the only Backing Paper this month because I'm very much counting on you guys supplying some fabulous Cheap Shots Challenge pictures for us to talk about. And we have indeed got a couple this time as well, so we'll get on to those later. But before we dig into that, I should probably say hello to my wonderful Backing Paper co-host, John. How are you? Hello, I'm very good. Thank you very much, Graham. How are you doing this evening? Oh, all the better for seeing your face, John. It feels like a long time. A fact which has been evidenced by the fact that we've been chatting for two hours now, just about all sorts of really <laughs> random photography and KLF and other music related stuff. I was about to start singing then. <laughs> Hold my breath. I was like, oh, no, it can't be that. We're recording now. I mean, listen, we might get DMCA'd, but I think it'll be worth it. Um, <laughs> You've been you've been very busy the last couple of weeks. Actually, that's why you weren't on last week, wasn't it? Because you've been getting your new zine nearly out the door. Yes. Yeah, very very nearly out the door. Should I talk about it now? I'll talk very briefly. Yeah, and we'll return um, to it in the future. It, it got delivered last week. Uh, I was very excited. I looked at it, just thought, oh, I was actually really quite chuffed with it. Um, and then I realised there was quite a discrepancy between the paper that I thought I'd ordered and the previous one I'd done. Uh, so I compared them next to each other and they were just massively different. So, uh, yeah, I'm in touch with the, the printers at the moment to find out what was going on there and hopefully going to get a reprint done. Yeah. it's And this isn't through some small local printer, is it? Who is it you're using for this? Uh, mix and print. Yeah. And you... Yeah, so I'll get to the bottom of it. There's... Um, apparently they've changed their paper stock for the recycled paper but uh, i don't know the full details yet yeah you sent me a picture of the two side by side and there's a marked difference between them and the way that your pictures look on them and the way the whole thing looks and it's one of those things where if that's what you'd signed up for in the first place and that's what you were expecting that's one thing but to get something that's nothing like the last thing you had that's not great <laughs> that's not ideal no, I, the thing is I didn't notice it straight away because it's, it doesn't look bad. No, it's just different. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that, like, it's a lot. It's a lot warmer tone. Mm. Um, yes, white base of it is. Um, so it just gives a completely different look to it. So it's like I say, it's not. It's not a bad thing, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting used to it now. I'd, I'd like a bit of consistency between my scenes. So. Yeah, yeah. It's difficult with that, isn't it? Because yes, the consistency is. Uh is important when you when you start off with something you want to look the same all the way through but i suppose this is always a risk for something which potentially could be going on for years um well hopefully yeah, yeah happens. <laughs> as long as everybody's out there uh supporting you on your uh p patronage <laughs> I, I, yeah um and you've also been getting stuff organized because you do coupons for prints don't you as part of this vouchers Yes, so it's like a tiered subscription service, I guess. I don't like that word. Um, <laughs> Which <page> word? <laughs> tiered? <laughs> Any of <Service>. it. Service. <laughs> <laughs> and the different tiers you get vouchers for different categories of prints. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, how much do you have to pay to get the good ones? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you still get them, you get them, you get them at a discounted rate compared to their retail value, mm -hmm. um, and they're all very well priced whether you buy them individually or not 
<laughs> Smooth. You're getting good at this. <laughs> I've been practicing in front of the mirror. <laughs> that I can believe. Um, so, yeah, a bit disappointing because you know, you'd hope to get that stuff out and ship kind of this week, really, hadn't you? But yeah. I suppose now it's just get into a conversation with those guys and hopefully they, they said well, that they're going to do a reprint for you. Yeah, they've offered a reprint um, on a different paper stock. It's still recycled, but it's apparently a closer match to okay. the previous one I did. Um, so it's not going to be exactly the same. Um, and it's just just one of those things, isn't it? It's, mm. it's recycled paper. So there's no guarantees that it's going to be consistent forevermore anyway. Yeah. You know? but, but being recycled paper is very important to me. So I'm just ha- going to have to understand that and in future find out if they've changed their stock and order test prints before doing so to see how that's going to affect my work were, were your first ones on recycled paper yes they were they were yeah. so just a different kind yeah cool cool mm-hmm. well you'll keep us posted on that john i'm sure um but yeah it's yeah, interesting well. to hear because i know that a lot of our listeners who've made zines mixam comes up often as a recommendation for using you obviously rate them highly enough that you're using them for your stuff so um oh. But and it's still right. Like the customer service is fantastic. You know, it's just, it's there's obviously a gap in the process somewhere that when you're reordering, there's no flag to go. This is going to be different this time. Yeah. You as a customer, um, and I, I've mentioned that to them that that would be quite a useful thing to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I suppose it's one of those things that we're, if you're doing art prints and stuff like that, you you very much would be thinking about that. But um, but it's good to hear that the customer service is good because it's like with any service, it, it really only gets tested when things go wrong and everything's fine. Like, well, the stuff's turned up, it's all good. So, Well, that's that's a decent excuse for skiving off last week anyway. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> just about, just about. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't just, like, I'd, I'd actually got that done quite a while ago. It's, like, it's just, it's been family stuff, another work related things i've been submitting some like proposals and various other job related things at the moment so it's just consumed my time unfortunately well don't let it happen again is all i'm going to say on that <laughs> you got your you got your monthly <laughs> review coming up soon so get your stuff in order shall we tackle some of these emails yes let's do it exciting go for it then you can I'm, take I'm this almost I'm almost as excited as you about emails nowadays. Uh, emails are great. I love emails <laughs> to a tragic degree. <laughs> um, I think it's because I don't get any other good mail. Um, have you got? Have you not got any friends to talk to? Is that uh, oh. <laughs> the ones that I the ones that I do have <laughs> tend to do it for one evening and I don't hear from them for a week because I get more than enough. <clears throat> <laughs> right. <laughs> Gone. And do you want to take this first one from Alex Morrison? Yes. Do it, Alex. Hi, Sunbeams. I really enjoyed your last backing paper, and having heard you were short on emails, I thought I'd put thumb to phone to ensure that John continued to enjoy having to having to help make it. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> it's superb job. Uh, I think it was during that backing paper where Graham was talking about putting a chimney into his mini dark shed that he. <laughs> Get taller and larger for his four by five meters, then discounted the intrepid kit because he would need a copy stand. I was lucky enough to get that kit for my Christmas, but do not own a copy stand. I can tell you from my vast experience with this kit, one session and four prints, that you do not need a copy stand. Admittedly, my setup isn't necessarily the best uh, with a travel tripod and a ball head, but setting and squaring my Mark IV with the kit was not the slowest step. It was setting up my darkroom. That would have been light proofing my bathroom. 
A bubble level app on my phone made it a relatively simple job. With a magnetically squaring carbon adventure, it'll be even quicker for you. Hear that, Graham? Mm-hmm. Hear that. <laughs> the main thing I learned from my first lesson was, yes, an easel is an essential piece of kit. The two right-angled rulers I used were capable of producing two very sharp borders and too much fuzzier where the light gently leaked under the upper ruler. Also, the prints I made were rhomboid rather than rectangular and thoroughly indeterminate size. (laughs) And eBay had already been my friend. I was really impressed with the Intrepid kit and it's definitely the best enlarger I've ever used. Of course, as it's the only enlarger I've ever used, this is a low bar. But as I was able to get prints that I was happy with on my first ever printing session, with all my education from YouTube University, thank you, John and Rachel, um, I would not hesitate to recommend it. And it's and it's let me get back into the dark room and then not to look at the kit with a sense of doom when I have to move house. Hope this influences your thinking, Graham, and hope you get some more emails so I hear this before Easter. <laughs> Shoot and then print film and be nice, Alex. And there's a oh, little addendum. Question. When do Claire and John become official sunbeams? Oh, that's a very good question there, Alex. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there was there was a screenshot attached to this, which I think is from iTunes. Um, <laughs> because on iTunes, it's got like the Aid, Graham and Rachel <laughs> doing weekly podcasting. So um, <laughs> let's, in reverse order then, let's tackle that one. For, so obviously, <laughs> obviously, let's John. Tackle <laughs> let's tackle it. Claire is obviously an official Sunbeam already. She is part of the team. She's not going anywhere. John, we're still a little on the fence about. No. Um, I, what, what do I need to do? Oh, that's a good question. There is a whole initiation ceremony that we need to go through. <laughs> COVID rules, you know, they won't allow us to do that. No, I, I am uh, clearly, we, there's still places that I need to go to to tackle tidying up what, what it says on them. And, and the thing is, like with some of them, I've gone through and gone, okay, like last year on Twitter and stuff, okay, I've changed it. Now it says, join join John and Claire and Rachel and Graham uh, doing this. I'm like, damn, now I need to go back and go, doing John and Rachel and Graham and Claire and Aid doing this back through. Um, and, and on our website, the website is it's shameful, but what website is one of the places we need to update this? But I did ask you, John, and Claire for... Um, bios and pictures what two weeks ago now didn't i and have you done it no you haven't is it my fault no so Mm, you did ask me in the middle in the depths of my uh, busy couple of weeks didn't you so (laughs) my busy couple of weeks about it (laughs) well remember but yes uh sorry everybody but yeah please do like when there are weird corners of the internet you know like itunes that weird corner of the internet um that we haven't updated then please do i thought we had i thought you and i had done that i thought we Maybe that's what Sunny Sixteen presents. No, oh, I, well. I, I, I like to stay on the edge because then that allows me to abort, doesn't it? <laughs> it makes it easy for us to kick. <laughs> You're never leaving, John. You're never leaving. Yeah, that's not happening. Um, regarding the other bits, the uh, the using a tripod as a copy stand. I mean, I could do this. Like this is this isn't out of the realms of possibility. So the other day I was. Um, digitizing some of my negatives for my large format negatives and so to do that I had the tripod and then I had my um, digital camera attached to that and then that was looking out onto the table with the light box and so I had so I could do that but with a tripod for my Intrepid um, the problem that I would have is 
God, I don't know how... I suppose... You must be doing it on the floor. How far away from to to doing the, an enlargement of a four by five neck? What kind of distance will I need to be away? What kind of distance will I need between the print and the lens, John? Uh, the same sort of distances that you use currently, because the focal length is different, isn't it? It should uh, be, for... yeah, yeah. It should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. So, um... distance ranges for like for an eight by ten or yeah. larger. It's very similar to. 35 men and 120. So I'm not sure that my tripod would get high enough for me to be able to do that with the tripod on the floor and the enlarger and my work, like the print on the table. So then I'd have to try, I don't know. There probably is a way to do it, but I think it would be really difficult in the confines of my darkroom. I definitely couldn't put the tripod on the table. That's too small for that. Um, so I'd have to kind of do it with the, with the stuff on the floor and I don't know. There probably is a way, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be a way that's good enough to justify spending out on that kit. Mind, especially not when I have a friend who lives about an hour away with a large form and larger who I can go and bother in the future times. That seems like a lot more convenient way of doing it. Um, but I'm going to do some contact prints soon. What you got a friend? <laughs> well, a work, uh, a not work colleague. <laughs> who, I can, who I can guilt into letting me do stuff. What I am going to get into is doing some more contact prints of them. I bought this cool, I shared it with you, I bought this cool, weird um, easel. It's like a giant contact print frame. And I think they were kind of, they were made in the 80s. Myopter, no, not Myopter. Who was it? Hammer. Because um, it says on the back, please, Hammer. Don't hurt them. <laughs> um, and so it's an easel, but it's just, um, it's pretty big. Uh, it is pretty big. I can't remember. It's like twice the size of 8x10, I think, whatever size that would be, roughly. 16x20. Yeah, I think 16x20. Thank you very much. And um, it doesn't have, uh, like, blades to move across. It's But it's got a glass top that you just pull down over the whole thing. So you could do edge-to-edge -edge prints on it. Um, and also you could just make up... I think you could, back in the day, buy masks to go over the top of it for doing different stuff, but also great for doing contact prints and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to have a go at doing some contact prints doing that. I've got Now I've got my... Um, now I've actually got my 4x5 negatives in the sheets so I can actually hold them up and look at them and they're clear sheets as well. So that should make it fairly easy to just bung one of those on and just do mm -hmm. four at a time, as long as they're four relatively similarly exposed ones, I guess. I just need to get some A4 paper to do that. So it's on the list. Um, More shopping. More shopping. I've been having great fun doing a lot of shopping. I bought myself uh, this evening, whilst John and I were chatting, I bought, <laughs> we've been having some nips talk, and I bought myself a Hacker Auto Nips which is less exciting than it sounds. Um, but uh, it is a um, little clockwork mechanical timer thing, uh, which I will be able to use with my large format camera, um, or indeed any camera that you plug, that you use with a um, timer bulb. Uh, and um, yeah, I was doing some self-portraits earlier in the week and it wasn't working very well because I was using a bulb, bulb plunger at long distance and it was a nightmare. So yeah, I bought myself a little nips, little nips timer, which I'm looking forward to getting. <laughs> John's very excited about my nips too. Um, okay, uh, shall we move on to the next email? <laughs> Probably for the best. This next email is from Richard Moore and it is entitled, Take More Mundane Photos. Greetings, Sunnies. First, a weather report. 
The weather here in my part of California is currently rather wet. As a Brit and a Northern male, I have to suffer text, me text messages warning me of the terrible weather to come and the need to drive ever so carefully. As someone who grew up in the northwest of England, I would prefer to describe it as a normal wet Monday in Manchester. And yes, I might get my coat if it's a bit parky. Talking of Manchester, let's actually focus on Stockport, which, for the few that have not heard of it, it is, or should that be was, an industrial mill town just south of Manchester. I have discovered of late a treasure trove of videos of my hometown on YouTube. Some fine chap has taken what must be the biggest collection of old photos of Stockport and converted them into videos with a soundtrack courtesy of Mike Oldfield. I, I love this. What a way to spend your day looking at pictures of Stockport and listening to Mike Oldfield. I grew up there from the mid-60s with my parents, finally leaving the area to retire to North Wales in the 90s. We're originally from Liverpool, so all roads lead to North Wales. I have to say, as somebody who grew up in North Wales, I will confirm that this is true. Everybody in the area was from Liverpool. Um, not very many Welsh people. What has stuck, struck me about this rich collection of images is how utterly mundane many of them are, yet so utterly fascinating. Let me explain why. As an older, okay, old, photographer, time is a mixed blessing. You've had time to accumulate some level of skill, you might have a bit more brass to buy camera gear, and you get to share your wisdom with a younger generation if they want it or not. The downside is perhaps twofold. You're not going to see the photographic developments that a younger generation will see ahead of them, and you can't go back and redo your photographic journey, which leads me back to why I'm penning this missive. If I could go back to the younger me, I'd have some very specific wisdom to impart. I'm not the first person to mention documenting your environment, but I would like to explain why. I would tell younger me that family, friends, social events are indeed important things to photograph, but older me would really like to tell young me to photograph in detail the minutiae of my life and where I live. The photographs I've seen of my hometown on YouTube include such things as buses, shops, road junctions where I lived and walked to school, the local market, churches, school, school friends. I've even seen photos taken by surveyors of building sites. And think about your home and that new record deck you bought, the first family colour TV. Really document the trivia of your life and location. Photography prices price lists on market stalls. Really, really mundane stuff you see ever, every day. Stuff that never changes. That's what I'd tell younger me. The younger, the better. And then wait. Wait 40 years. You won't believe how much things change when that length of time just shoots by. And trust me, you'll thank me. Now it's just mundane, but it won't be when you're older. If I look at Stockport as an example, when we moved there in the 60s, it was already well into a complete redevelopment. Most of the Victorian slums had been cleared and a new modern shopping centre was being built. There were still steam trains, but the modernisation of the railways was taking hold. Trams were gone, but those orange and white buses I'd go to school on were everywhere to be seen. 
For me, in the late 60s and early 70s, it was fixed in time. But looking back at the Stockport I knew then, there was already completely different to just 20 years earlier. So yeah, get out there and take more boring photos and file them away till you're close to retirement like me. I would stress it's not just about places, it's the things you do, the places you go, the shops you go to, the routines of everyday life. Trust me, you'll be fascinated by something as mundane as shops when you're older. There is no shortage of old photos of shops but not of Mrs Wren's on the corner of Derby Road where your nan sent you to get 20 Rothmans. I was struck by how much these old photos represent social history, my social history, as much as geography. I'm done rambling. Stay safe out there. Richard Moore. P.S. I wish I could have told younger me to raid the second-hand camera shop for all the good film <laughs> stuff when digital came in too. <laughs> Yes, I think we all feel that too. Um, that's a great email, a really great email. Uh, and John, I would love to hear your take on this because you and the city you live in and the environment you live in, that's an important part of your work. So what do you feel about the sentiment that Richard is expressing here? Um, yeah, like in Coventry, there's a huge amount of um, people kind of digging back through archives at the moment, actually, and kind of seeing the changes that have happened to now and there's lots of photographers taking photos of the changes that are taking place and i think it's great i think um it's very like richard's saying about taking photos of the mundane it's it's very difficult to remember to do that because quite often you're you're looking for the photos rather than um thinking about how it's going to how they're going to look in the future mm. Um, so you're, like, you're looking for good shots or something about the story that you're telling at the moment. And it's very difficult to <clears throat> think, oh, well, this isn't going to be here in the future. I need to get a photo of this sign or whatever it is. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a very important thing. And hindsight's <laughs> hindsight can kind of tear you apart, can't it? Yeah. I was, um, I was chatting to Bill too about this actually on Twitter recently, right? Because they were talking about traveling around Australia. And when I was younger, I, I drove from Sydney to Alice Springs via Cairns and then back around the South coast. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, cause we, we've both been to, uh, we we're talking about, um, Uluru and just the central Australia. <clears throat> we're both saying how we regret not being so considered or caring so much about our photography when we were there because I really wish I'd taken photos of, like I took kind of standard holiday photos, you know, just like the landscape and all that sort of stuff. But there were things about the experience, like buying steak pies at a petrol station, mm. you know. I wish I'd taken photos of things like that. And they're the sort of things that I think I'd take photos of now. But you, you, can't, you don't know until the future really of the things that you wish you'd taken photos of and i guess that's something you'd learn more um as you're going along with your photography yeah it's it's taking pictures for a completely different reason around here um yeah i live in a, a small village but it's a small village that's getting bigger quite rapidly and i was i suspect many of us have the same problem i have when i was um shooting colour film and getting it developed at Boots, which I did for quite a long time before Boots stopped doing one you know, one hour development. Um, 
I'd always get the prints back as well because he just did. And a lot of them were rubbish. So some of them made it into photo albums. Most of them made it into a plastic bag, which is, so I've just got this plastic bag full of prints. And so I was going back through those. And anyway, I found a couple of bad pictures of a field over the road um, from where I live, which just isn't the field anymore. Now it's just a massive load of houses, even within the last five years. Um, I was like, oh, it's, I mean, it's not a good picture. Uh, but it's like, oh, that was that field. And there's another field just around the corner, which, again, is now just a building site. And I, I've already missed that. And I've never taken a picture of that field because it's just a boring, flat field. Um, but it's never going to be a field again. And to look at these places now where they're just houses as far as you can see and think, I wish I had a picture of when that was a field so that you can show somebody, you know, so somebody who is born here and grows up here and never knows anything different. Go, no, no, this used to be, look, this is what this environment was beforehand. Um, yeah, it's really easy to think about things that just never change and go, oh, well, there's no point capturing that because it's boring and it's not photogenic and yeah. it's, you know, why would I take that? But there's always that assumption well it'll be here tomorrow it'll be here the next day and then it just isn't one day and it never is again yeah i tied in what you're saying about um like like when you look back at family photos like i did this a few years ago and you quite often don't you're not looking at the thing that's being photographed you're looking around that mm. so like i've got photos of like a family um sitting in front of a car and like a house and like we were looking at the car. We were looking at like the curtains in the house, not the actual people in the photo. And it's like, if you can consciously take photos of those things as well, mm. it's like, it, it will have value further on, I yeah. think. But it's, it's remembering to do it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I suppose also, you never know which are going to be the things which are going to trigger memories. You're never going to, you can never look at a scene and go, oh, these are the things which in 40 years' time are going to kickstart a memory explosion in my head um but that's why it's best just to take pictures it's it's one of those things i was chatting to rach about this the other day and um just talking about photography I think it was what you was talking to about um just saying i'm so glad that i picked photography up as a hobby because even going back through these essentially piles of reject photos there's so many pictures of my family and stuff like because you, you, as a photographer, you're just taking more pictures than most people do, and physical pictures. And um, if I hadn't picked this up as a hobby, I would have hardly any pictures. And, you know, it's you never know which are going to be the good ones, but, um, yeah, they're valuable. They're real valuable. Um, tied into what you're saying about that field locally is what you should really be doing is also noting down locations and mm. date stuff with those things yeah. as well, because in the future they might not have any reference to to what it is and yeah. actually kind of trying to trace that back could be an impossible task yeah yeah no you're absolutely right <laughs> as my memory's slowly on its way out <laughs> <laughs> okay um right we have got our first cheap shots challenge entry uh so cheap shots challenge the current round right. is cliches which i am very happy with uh and this is from billy sanford so john do you want to take this one from billy Sure thing. Hello, Sunbeams. Attached are my entries for the Cheap Shots Challenge Cliché Edition. While we always lean on into the cheap, I very much try to embrace the challenge and the cliché elements as well. I'm very much currently a black and white on a bright sunny day shooter. Bright sunny days? What? <laughs> uh, but these are images shot on colour at night. 
and they are the first rolls of color that I process myself as well. Cinestill 800T processed with the Cinestill C41 kit. Fantastic. Uh, my first take was based on the images you've likely seen of New York or Tokyo on a rainy night, dozens of cars navigating through steam rising from the streets, people with umbrellas launching themselves over puddles, bright neon lights bolted onto the sides of skyscrapers that stretch in infinitely into the distance and beyond the edges of the frame. In the tiny hamlet of Warrior, Alabama, however, we do not have those types of scenes. We have the Piggly Wiggly, the only grocery store in the city proper. So that's basically the same thing, right? This image transcends the cliche by working Piggly Wiggly into the conversation. <laughs> Can we look at the Piggly Wiggly feature for us? Because we've got these pictures. <laughs> oh, they're actually here. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, I mean, Piggly Wiggly, just great. I don't know what a Piggly Wiggly store is, but it says Piggly Wiggly in big letters. I really want to know more about the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, what I love this. Yeah. I, I, I love this because... As Billy described, it's that thing of okay, trying to take that archetypal um, shot, that cine still shot with the lights and the signs and the, you know, in somewhere where there just isn't anything going on. <laughs> it's like, well, Piggly Wiggly it is then. That's great. I love it. Nice scene across the car park of the Piggly Wiggly. Okay. It looks like, um, I was going to say, it looks like it could be out of Back to the Future. You expect the DeLorean to come flying in through the car park. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That is a good... Yes, if you're trying to imagine, that is what this picture looks like. It looks like that scene from the beginning and indeed end of Back to the Future. Continuing. Uh, for the second image, the first thing I thought of when I heard the topic was an image of a petrol station on Cinestill 800T. But in order to transcend the cliche, I wanted to do a mashup. Perhaps I could shoot it through a lens ball to invert the image. Maybe I could frame it inside someone making heart hands. <laughs> nice cliche. <laughs> Ultimately, especially given the conditions on the night of the shoot, I opted for image through rain-soaked window. You may have seen images like this taken by a photographer who was stopped by the pub on a rainy day, taking images of the way where he passes by outside. Granted, it's not as though my Instagram feed is full of such pictures, but I have seen people using it for artistic effect. Ultimately, I don't know if I, the Vivitar, or my scanner, the Epson V600, was up to the challenge of getting the most out of either the cine still effect or the rainy blur effect, but that was the intent. Be well, everyone. Billy. Okay, so let's have a look at this second picture of a petrol station through a rainy window. Um, <laughs> it's pretty abstract, isn't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's very blue. I love the blueness. Um... It's hard to know that it's a petrol station. Actually, what I love is that these cliches have effectively cancelled each other out. We've arrived at neutral cliche territory because the uh, the bright lights of the uh, petrol station in the wet, which you try to capture, have um, sort of bockered out the raindrops on the window, meaning you can't see it's a petrol station. It's good. I like it. Fantastic cliche work. The cliche mashup yeah, in full work, effect. Really. I think stacking cliches is clearly the way to go. The more cliches you can fit into one image, the better. <laughs> I like it. I'm Very... a little disappointed with the lack of heart hands. Yeah, that's true. Well, I suppose, you know, it's difficult. If you've got holding the camera, you also need to. I, I, I was thinking about what search terms to use to try and find a severed hand on eBay. Um, for the <laughs> anyway, that's just a hobby thing. Let's move on from what? that quickly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, not. next email, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
next email. The next email, next uh, cheap shot from Jonathan Becker. Who writes in, Hello Sunbeams, it's cheap shots time again. Please find my attached entries. While I do not overly participate in social media, I do look at quite a bit of posted photography, mostly analogue. The topic of this challenge made me think of many repeating patterns in those pictures. While the challenge is about photographic cliches, I wanted to focus, focus on modern analogue photography cliches. So, mainly, what you see on social media, not art galleries or books. I find the most prevalent cliché to be pictures of young women, from nicely done to bad cases of the male gaze. This is a quite obvious cliché. There is also an incredible amount of pictures of classic cars and, surprisingly, gas stations. Yes, very much so, see above. While the first two have its place, I had to, of course, go for the gas stations. What a great subject. <coughs> Excuse me. Something else you see a lot of is not a picture of the actual subject, but the image of the subject in a waist-level finder of some kind of oh, really expensive really camera, shot with a phone <laughs> or similar from above. Oh, yes, yes. Seen this many times. My submission now contains not only a picture of a gas station, but also a picture of the visible image of another gas station in the waist-level finder of a Mamiya RZ67. I would call this a cliché image of a cliché. Again, we're stacking the clichés here. Extraordinary work. Yeah. The Mamiya camera is not really in the Cheap Shots Challenge price range, but it's more subject than camera here. So, as long as this does not become the Cheap Subjects Challenge, I think it should be fine. For taking the pictures, I used once again my not-so-trusty Puva Start camera and some 20-year-old HP5+. I put the camera on the tripod and used one of the many high-tech features of it. There is a small slider you can push over the shutter button to do a bulk exposure. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what a bulk exposure is, but I like that phrase. Many exposures all in one go. Um, I guess that means bulb exposure. That's probably what that spelling was supposed to be. <laughs> this, combined with my hand in front of the lens, worked fine as the shutter for one or multi-second exposures. The shot of the gas station through the viewfinder was more complicated. I had to put the RZ67 on a tripod and the Puva starts on another tripod. To get close focus, I again, like in the food challenge, taped on some close-up lenses and measured the focus distance beforehand. It must have been a great sight to see me struggle to compose with two tripods and no way to preview the image. And there have been quite a lot of cars, so many spectators guaranteed. I did use HP5 in this challenge because I only have black and white chemistry at home. I might have missed some cliches by not using Cine Still 800T, don't worry Billy had your back, or overexposed portrait by four stops, but you can't have them all. As compensation, I have included the film borders and I did yes. not do a great job with cleaning the negative. I've seen this so many times, it also has to be a cliche, either that or you're just looking at my feed. Really looking forward to seeing what others will submit. Such a great topic. Stay safe. All the best, Jonathan. P.S. I thought about putting Vaseline on the front lens. <laughs> uh, a step too far. So, yes, more. I wonder how many pictures of gas stations we're going to get. I'm hoping if it's all gas stations, I will actually be 
quite delighted. <laughs> that would make my day. Um, you know what? In 40 years' time, people are going to start looking back at photos of the era and just think that everyone was obsessed with gas station. Like, it was like some significant thing, like we were yeah. running out of fuel or something. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> ironic and also apt, I think. Um, yeah. So, yes, very nice. The first picture, a very nicely framed picture of the uh, gas station in black and white. It looks quite ominous, doesn't it, in black and white? Yeah, I like it doesn't it doesn't feel like a cliche photo that 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 actually feels like a genuine kind of done with intent mm. photo it feels slightly threatening i think is what i would say because there's not actually in this particular shot of the gas station there's not any cars terribly visible in it um so it just feels yeah quite dark quite ominous you know it's uh, i like it very nice framing to it as well a nice square framed shot and that looks good and yes we can see the film board we can see hp5 plus it's always good to get that in there i use that cliche technique on my prints as well now because i'm a real walking cliche um and then the second one the through the viewfinder oh boy i've seen this the, the through the viewfinder shot you do get to see that a lot don't you <laughs> On, on the, this is su superbly done though to like mm. do the through the viewfinder with a cheap shots camera on yeah. film yeah that's at night that's good stacking great stacking yes it is very good i, I kind of get why the through the viewfinder is a cliche because you look through and go oh god this looks so great doesn't it there is something about seeing an image on the fresnel screen that makes you want to go look at this everybody and also if you capture it like this then when you've realized later you messed up the shot horribly on the film then at least you got something <laughs> that just me <laughs> <laughs> might just be me okay uh we have got another email here uh, do you want to say it's last one actually from uh, billy sanford at least hell it's been a while since we've checked these emails here we go. Hello, Sunbeams. Uh, I've had the privilege of meeting three Canon Explorers of Light, and they all had basically the same story. Uh, this is uh, in reference to the best advice you've gotten. Um, they had been longtime film shooters who were quick to embrace the digital revolution when it occurred. While at the time it was a costly and unpopular approach, the ability to quickly turn around the images that had a different look ultimately propelled them to professional success. With a bit of irony, the part about a different look played at least a small role in my journey back to film. There were many other factors, but I did hope that creating images on film would help my images stand out, at least to me, from all those shooting the same subjects that I was. Little did I know that so many others had already proceeded down that path. The heart of my question today is about advice. While not all of us are trying to achieve success as professional photographers, we've probably all benefited in some way from the insights and experiences of those who's gone before us. I know that I have. Much of it via this podcast. I was just wondering if you could all recall any particular insightful wisdom that had been passed on to you that had significantly impact on the way you approach photography. That's a good question, isn't it? That's a very yeah. good question. Is there anything for you, John, that immediately leaps to mind? Um, I like regards. It, I think it depends what sort of photography you're talking about. Any, <clears throat> but like the stuff with cameras, I think mainly. <laughs> oh yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like documentary photography. Um, I can't remember if it was any more specific, but just generally the kind of advice of just being a, a human and caring about the people you're taking photos of rather than seeing them as subjects and 
as a goal to get a good photo they're people and they're humans and mm -hmm. talk to them and discuss about what you're doing with your photos and why you're you're doing it and be another person to them you know and i think that's that's quite often overlooked particularly historically um but there are still a lot of photographers around these days that just use people to get photos and to to make money whatever it, their their reason for photography um and yeah i i personally think that's that's the wrong approach yeah for it. but yeah so that's that's kind of that's always stuck with me is that and i think that applies to a lot of things really whether or whatever you're doing regards photography yeah was there anyone in particular when you started or getting into this journey that's led you to where you are now was there anybody who particularly helped you in that direction you know was there any one solid shove anything that kind of made you feel like ah, yeah this is the right direction for me or was it all just kind of organic and off your own inspiration um it was quite organic it wasn't necessarily off my own inspiration like the name jim mortram springs to mind as a specific name um documents a lot of the effects of austerity in the uk um and hit like his uh, uh, like i guess fundamentally you could even think he's not a photographer but he, he's an amazing photographer and the images that he creates are, are phenomenal but it's all about the people and their and getting their stories out um and his work has always always stuck with me and always sits in my mind when i'm i'm working with people and spending time with them yeah yeah no that makes a lot of sense i can't i can't think of much in the way of specific advice i think throughout everything that i've done and continue to do there's always you know countless times every week where i'm getting pieces of advice which are all just being thrown in on the pile i mean i'm i'm blessed by one having friends and co-hosts who have an awful lot of knowledge whose brains i am picking as john will testify fairly constantly um but also like just within the community i i love the fact i can go on twitter and get information and advice or just see stuff popping up and go oh i'm gonna take that on board and um so yeah, it's difficult because also the other side of that is i'm just a chronic kind of bumbler i'll just bumble my way through things <laughs> and that's just kind of, so that's also part of it um but i think one of the best and i couldn't tell you who it was or where it was but one of the best pieces of advice specifically for film photography um was to just like take the picture more often uh, i think it was especially in the early days um there oh yeah you there's a tendency to be very stingy with your photography because you know that every time you click the shutter it's costing you money and um you know you don't want to waste the film and it's a precious thing and uh and that never goes away i mean i'm never going to be shooting film like you can shoot digital because i mean for one thing i just don't think that the way you shoot digital is a good way necessarily anyway but you you're always mindful of well you know you need to use this wisely because you might not have enough if you, what if you miss a shot with this role then you don't have any to take a picture you see later but i've definitely got better about being more shutter happy going okay i'm going to take this picture even if i'm not convinced it's great but you know i'm going to take it because that that might be the best i can get out of this it might be that actually this fleeting moment is never going to be perfect but it might be good and I'll, so i'll get this good picture instead of doing what i and i still do it 
waiting thinking oh maybe this will sort itself out perfectly and then actually what you end up getting is nothing and the moment's gone and you haven't got anything that maybe would have been per you know great if you just grabbed something um that is a mental hurdle i still kind of have to work through and get past and, and it's insane because as anybody who's ever listened to me talking about how long it takes me to get through a roll of film clearly i don't need to be being careful i need to be just shooting more full stop the end um so i think that's probably the most useful thing that i was ever told or encouraged to do was just shoot more take take the picture if you feel like there might be something there take the picture and don't overthink it um yeah that's a good piece of advice isn't it to be given <laughs> Yeah, I I agree with that. I think like <laughs> <laughs> there, there's something about take like thinking like that as well that just makes you more observant and mm. it just it's making you look at things more that are potential images and anything that keeps you moving and keeps you going is very important because if you stop, I think that's when it it all creeps in and mm. it's really easy to like get consumed by, Oh, what's the point? This is like, this, it's just a can of worms then. So why, why do I take any photos? Yeah. But if you keep moving and you keep observing and you're looking at what you're creating and you're feeding that, I've talked about this before is particularly related to printing. If you're printing your work as well, whether that's in a dark room or whatever, it's a feedback loop and slowly it starts to creep in of, of what's working and everything slowly starts to elevate then i think yeah i mean there's this saying isn't it that perfect is the enemy of good but you know also sometimes good can be the enemy of just doing anything and doing something is the most important thing and it's it's really easy to talk yourself out of even starting some stuff you go oh i could go out today and do take some pictures or i could do this but the light's not great oh the weather's not great oh i'm just not feeling it's like and then who knows what you've missed and at the at the very least what you've missed is getting out and getting some practice even if you go out there and you barely take any pictures you've been out and as you said you've been looking you've been thinking photographically and that's useful time because practice is so important for this doing it yeah. over and over again and um and I, and I wonder whether social media is a negative influence in this i wonder whether the fact that we're all exposed to people's best work on social media and seeing it and going well if i'm not taking good pictures why should i be taking pictures at all but you can't just take good pictures nobody just takes good pictures that's not the way photography works even the best photographers mm. in the world are taking some pictures that are not good um you know because that's just that's just how it has to be you have to take a lot of pictures to get the good ones um and getting that practice in going through the process so like i've talked about this recently with as you said the printing is that same thing um i've been doing quite a lot of printing lately and a lot of it is not about me trying to make a great print from a great negative in fact almost none of it is most of it's going okay let me dig through let me find the negatives that i'd be interested to see how that looks and have a go and see how printing goes and it's most of them almost all of them come to a point where i'm like okay either that's as good as that's going to get okay that's fine i'm going to put this in the box and that'll be the end of it i'll never think of it because it's not very good or they get to a point where i go actually that's still not very good because of the failings of the negative but that's as far as i'm prepared to go because i'm not going to burn any more paper on it 
but it's still been a valuable use of time even if i've wasted five six sheets of paper to get to an end result that's still not any good it was still good practice it's still time well spent so wherever you are that's in the camera or in the dark room um it's never wasted time i don't think no no, i agree i just want to pick up on that that phrase you said about um not going out because the weather isn't very good and how the the weather's always good the weather's always great no matter what it's doing it's just it's getting your head around the fact it's not very good for creating a very specific type of photo or Mm. it's not appropriate for creating a certain type of photo it's always great if you're creating images that are required in that those situations so you can you can completely flip it around can't you and it be a great overcast day and just go well actually this these conditions are perfect for the sort of images i want to take Mm. and work with it rather than seeing it as something that it's not right yeah yeah it's it's not talking yourself out of doing stuff which is really easy to do i mean i i have complained at length on countless occasions about how awful my village is for subject matter to go and take pictures and and i stick to this it stinks but that said I will still wander around and go looking for stuff. I will still try, um, and they usually fail. I mean, John got to develop a, a whole lot of that recently because I had several rolls of film that were half finished. Like, well, I'm going to load up these seven cameras or however many it was into a bag and just go for a walk around my village and just blitz through the end of all of these rolls of film. And, um, and it was all crap, but you know, it's it it's still you're still there looking and you're still thinking about well, what framing might work, what this, what that, and you know, it's. Um, it's still valuable time. So, but I'd be really interested actually to hear what listeners, if there is any singular piece of advice that they've been given, which has had a significant effect on on any aspect of this, whether it's a piece of technical advice which has made something much easier for them, or, uh, or you know just flipped a switch in their brain, whether it's creative advice which has changed the direction that they're going in or helped crystallize what they want to do. Um, there's so many areas where a good bit of advice can be very, very meaningful. Uh, and like I said, personally, it's generally it's the small bits that you don't even think about and don't remember, but you can look back and go, oh, I'm doing all of these things differently because countless people have given me countless nuggets of advice and they've just all been incorporated into this not being a absolute bonfire of a... <laughs> process at the moment um so yeah it's uh i mean like i suppose like you we were talking before we started recording john about the pictures that i took a couple of days ago so i was bored one evening and i decided that after our conversation with simon on tuesday i wanted to have a go at doing something similar to what he's doing i was like okay i'm, I'm gonna try something like that and so in my dark shed uh which is not very big it's what seven by ten i think um something like that it might not even be quite that big it might be seven by eight. anyway it's a small shed um and i got my tripod set up with my large format camera with my chroma and um and yeah and had a go and i used a little desk lamp which is the one i'm using at the moment to illuminate what i'm doing here and the results were what they were but for something that was very hacky and thrown together they weren't an absolute trash fire and that's because of advice that i've been given by multiple people on multiple aspects of what i was doing over the time whether it's how i set up the camera how i set up the lights how i developed the film all of these things it all added together to mean i could try something like that at short notice and get something out the end of it um so it all adds up doesn't it 
And now John's agreed. Yeah. Agreed, yes. Yeah, words are better than I, nodding. I agree. <laughs> I'd like, it all intertwines, isn't it? Because there's, there's kind of technical advice, which there's so much technical advice available now. Like, mm. we're very fortunate in this area regards the accessibility of information and education regards um, how to use a camera, how to do lighting, what, like film processing, if printing. If you're doing all that, it's all available for free. There's There's no restrictions on getting technical advice on things um i think the hardest thing is advice on like you personally it's, it's so difficult because it's such it's your experience but advice on what to create and how to translate that into a visual medium um that's that's a minefield mm. <laughs> looking at that guy like i i very rarely go on youtube but i've, I've been watching because i thought maybe i should start watching some other videos on youtube to see what everybody else does just to i want to raise my youtube game and i'm just put off by a lot of it just the way a lot of people talk about what people should be doing it's like i find it it's a bit i'm struggling for words here it's like you must do this to achieve this and i, I don't like i don't think there's a formula for it like that at all and it might have worked for them but i, th I think you've got to be very careful with that sort of advice and how you take it and how you use it um so yeah like, i think that's that's and personally i find the best way is to be inspired by what other people have made and kind of analyze that and break it down yourself and see what you find in it as opposed to being told how to do mm. it i don't know no i think that's true a bit of a tangent there <laughs> no no but I, I think you're right i think uh, it's that whole finding your voice thing isn't it and i think that's very hard to do and i think it's made harder by the fact that there's there is a lot of information out there which is presenting people with ways to create stuff but not necessarily create what is inside them and, and i know you and i have talked about this uh, off, off air before at length and you know, your your point of view is like think about what's important to you not what is important to the internet not what other people are doing but think about what's important to you and how you want to express that and go from there and like don't worry about the other stuff start with those and i said you can get all the technical stuff and things like that the internet's full of that stuff it's fantastic for it there are so many people giving great technical advice to achieve what you want but make the thing that you want to do what, what actually something that is important to you not to other people um because if it's if you can do that then other people will find it and like it you'll find the audience for it but if you're just making stuff because you think people will like it uh, ultimately I think you're going to fall flat there somewhere. So, And on that cheery note, <laughs> that's it for emails. That's what happens when we don't get enough emails and we're giving time to waffle off on our own, right? Um, thank you so <laughs> to much. Talk. To talk, yeah. Um, thank you so much, everybody who emailed in this week. Uh, it's much appreciated. Please do keep them coming in because uh, John and I, and, you know, everybody very much enjoys. John just got roped in, as usually happens. Really enjoy doing backing paper. I love hearing from you guys and it always inspires interesting conversations. Um, so do keep the emails coming in. Keep the Cheap Shots Challenge stuff coming in. Uh, 
quick reminder so you have until the end of the month that's the 28th of February to get your pictures in on the subject of cliches we are looking for two pictures and um, the the only criteria is that one the subject need to be cliches and that can be very broad it doesn't have to be gas stations although clearly that is a very popular subject um and i would just ask that you rename your pictures so it includes your name the cameras that you're using the film that you're using and any other yeah, relevant information just because it helps keep things easier um i'm just going to say very quickly uh, billy did a very good job with that well done and jonathan did as well jonathan did as well so well done those guys they are doing it right if everybody else can follow their good example that'd be much appreciated we will do a video feed uh either well we'll do a video feed in march where we can look at all the pictures and obviously we will do the judging show uh live to video as well so depending on how many entries we get in if we get a lot of entries in uh we will do a video show specifically just to go through and look at all all of the pictures we get in so we can share all of those um if we don't get very many pictures in then we'll just make that one judging show uh, and do it like that so you know it's up to you guys if you want to have your picture potentially be seen twice on video then make sure we get plenty of entries in is that a good sales pitch i don't know <laughs> Sounds like one to me. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I'm, all I'm hearing is video, 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 and I'm thinking, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you getting on with your cheap shots challenge work, John? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Glad <laughs> to hear it. No guess, further questions. Guess what? I haven't started yet. <laughs> no, no, no. Neither have I. Have you got any ideas? Though? You're usually pretty good at coming with ideas, though. Uh, have I got an idea? <laughs> oh, did, did you have a look on your uh, face? That's a hard oh, part. Possibly somewhere. I've got loads of things just ticking over in my head. It's probably in there somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. Like I said, there's, there's so many oh. things. There's so many. Whenever you're like, seeing the entries this evening and the things that those guys were both talking about and the fact that both of them were talking about multiple cliches within that, it makes you start thinking. I think it's what I like about this challenge is one, it's fun, but also it's really accessible. I think it's a really accessible one to just do it, have fun. Um, don't worry if your pictures aren't amazing. Oh, I know, I know what I wanted to do, but I haven't found the location yet. I wanted to find a waterfall next to a gas station, sorry, a petrol station, <laughs> um, and do a long exposure shot of that on Cinestill with the sprocket showing. <laughs> How about that? That sounds good. That does seem hard to achieve. Double exposure? Have you got? Are you near any waterfalls? Full yeah. stop. Uh, yes. Not next to a petrol station. Though. Well, that's right. Double exposures all the way. It's then. a unique location, isn't it? Yeah, mind you, a double exposure on your Hanimax might be difficult. Was it Helena? Regardless, <laughs> same, same. <laughs> same crap, different day. Okay. Um, want to say as always a huge thank you to all of our coffee supporters you guys are fabulous hopefully by now um everybody all of our regular subscribers uh, have got their postcards they were sent out quite some time ago so hopefully you've all got them now if you are a subscriber to us on coffee and you haven't received your po uh, postcards please do let me know and uh, we will get them get some more sent out to you um, because like i said they should be with everybody so far by this point um and we do also want to say a special thank you because we've got a um, new donor this month so i want to say a big thank you to tim sodstrom i hope i say send your name correctly there um tim is a really hard one to get your teeth around <laughs> um so i hope i got that right uh Tim has got some lovely pictures. Actually, I'm just been admiring. He's got a very nice Yashica mat, which I'm looking at, and it's making me feel like I really need to get with my TLRs. I haven't done that yet this year, and I love them so very much. You can find Tim's work. He's on Instagram. He's at bitbybitphoto, which is quite a nice, easy one to find. But I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. And, yeah, Tim's got some great mixture, great work, a mixture of pictures of cameras, obviously, uh, as well as 
pictures of his work, which is also very nice to see. And it, uh, Tim's doing a 52 photos challenge. One shot, I can just see this in there. One shot per week, one camera, one lens, one film, no cropping, not part of any other series. Don't overthink it. That seems like quite good fun to do, although I don't think I, I could manage to be consistent enough to do that. Um, so uh, that's cool. I like there's a scene here of his first one that he's doing for this. It's a large format camera taking a picture of a train coming out of a cardboard box tunnel with a gnome on top. It's all going on. You need to get Tim Stream to see this happening. Unmissable, I think you'd agree, John, although you're probably not looking at it because I didn't put the link in the show notes. <laughs> no, I am looking at it. Um, yeah, I'm really intrigued by that that's going to be one that he looks back in like 20 years time and just think what was i doing in my life yes exactly although <laughs> I, I, I suspect that the actual picture taken with the camera is of the train coming out of the tunnel and probably won't include the giant dominating gnome on top of the cardboard box which i suspect <laughs> is there for its weight but it would be great if the gnome was an integral part of that photo i would like that to become a whole series 52 weeks of photos with this gnome towering over stuff please make that happen tim <laughs> putting a request now for what we want to see um we mentioned at the beginning john about your uh patron subscriber thing on your website give that a shout out yes. again yes yes uh you can subscribe to my patronage at john forward slash support where you'll find the three tiers that are available uh the lowest tier i think is 20 pounds plus postage and packaging and that will get to you four editions of the zine throughout the year it's released quarterly uh and a voucher for a dark shed live print mm. and it's worth making sure people understand that's 20 pounds like for the year isn't it it's not 20 pounds a month oh yeah 20 pounds it's 20 yeah, yeah. a mere 20 pounds you you'd be a, losing money if you bargain. don't it is a billy bargain yeah and a lot of time and effort goes into all of john's work um uh, apart from the dark shed live prints where he just tosses those off and then wangs them off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. Well, <laughs> they're still great. They're still prints. better than your prints. That's true. That is 100% true. But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> B-crap is what I'm going to do. Um, is there anything else we need to let you know Actually, about? Actually, like, there were some of the... Um, took me by a bit, bit by surprise, actually. I did a print just for Christmas of... I don't know if you saw it. It was a double exposure uh, dark green print. The bottom half was the skyline of New York, and the top was a catch you I can't pronounce it, Tichu, which is a site next to Uluru in Australia. Tichu, Flip the other way. What? <laughs> Catachuta. The Olgas. The Olgas, yes. I know. I've yeah. been there too, John. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's flipped. So you kind of get this um, like vortex feeling going between them. Mm -hmm. And they, they've all sold out already. So there you go. if you want to get involved, you have to get in quick. Yeah, that's good. Well, you need to make more of those prints, clearly. Yeah, I'm, go I'm going to. Don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, shows coming up this week. So uh, hopefully out, if not tonight, then tomorrow, will be Claire's on-film show, which she did with Mike Crawford. Uh, the film was The Third Man, so that's great. I have listened to that. Um, and with the exception of the fact that the audio quality gets a bit shonk at times, it's a very interesting conversation. So hopefully you'll be able to listen to the occasional clicky audio. Um, we will be talking to this week the host of I Dream of Cameras, Jeff Greenstein and Gabe Sachs. The, I was going to say Joey to our friends, but that's definitely not true. I think they're probably more like the Frasier, Frasier to our cheers, right? That's where they, they are. That seems better, doesn't it? 
Did Fraser become much more popular? I don't know. Anyway, those guys are fabulous. I'm really looking forward to catching up with them. Uh, and to coincide with that, at the end of the week, we will also have episode five, I think we're on now, My Dream of Cameras, because those guys are relentless. So what a week full of shows coming out. That will So Claire's show on film and I Dream of Cameras episode five will be going out on the Sunny 16 Presents feed. And Jeff and Gabe will be joining us for this week's Sunny 16 podcast. It's going to be wonderful. So that's it. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will play you out, as always, with the wonderful band Schnauzer. It's always such a delight to hear their music. I love this tune. I love getting to play it on the show. Remortgaging the nest of hairs. Uh, thank you so much to those guys for letting us use it. If you want to get in touch with us, which I hope you do, drop us a line at sunny16podcast at gmail.com. I remembered just before the end, even without Rachel here to help me. <laughs> Remember, because John doesn't do it because he's hopeless. Until we catch up with you later in the week, listeners, thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.